Hi. We are back. Kingdom Connections. I'm Pastor Luke. We're going to be talking about kingdom living, holy living. This is what we've been talking about lately in the book of Galatians, chapter 5. And now we have made it, made it all the way back up to the top of the chapter. We're going to be looking at chapter 5 and verses 1 through 6. And the title that I have put here is, Just Say No to Circumcision. Just Say No to Circumcision. And this section made me think of Paul in the way of him protesting. It's like almost he's he's protesting, giving his account or giving his fair say about what he's hearing, what he has observed in the behavior of the Galatians, what they're believing and what they have not believed. So here's Galatians 5, 1 through 6. And we're going to go through each verse just to pick apart the, some of the things that Paul was thinking. Is There's many layers to this, but here are some of the main ideas. So for freedom, Christ has made us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. For through the, for, for through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcised nor uh, sorry, let me go back. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith works through love. It's Galatians five, one through six. Paul is protesting against the works that bring salvation. So the first part is for Christ, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. So when it says, for freedom, Christ has made us free. Free means free. Free indeed. When you are free, you are free from something. Freedom implies that you were not free before. So when you're in sin, there's no freedom. So from, for, so we're free from sin. We're free from the law. And free from having to obey the law in order to achieve salvation. And we're also free from the works unto salvation. Once again, we are not free. We don't do... Let me get, let me back up. I have all these thoughts racing in my head at the same time. Going a little, a little excited here. We are not here to do works so we can get saved. But we are saved to do good works. We are saved unto good works. So the freedom has to do with free freedom from sin, no longer sucked down into the bondage that we were before in the old life. And since we are free, it's important for us to stay free. We're not going to be walking in circumstances that create spiritual connections, uh, spiritual uh, that, that creates connections that connect us to chains uh, of bondage or unholy fleshly activities. We're not going to go into this kind of behavior uh, because what the Christ has done for us, we do not have to sin. We don't have to 
have our bodies submitted to something that is unholy. It is not God's will that we go to him and ask for salvation and then go right back into the sins that we were doing. Sometimes we do that because we have a behavior issue that we have to work out through the renewing of our minds. But if once we know better, there's no reason for us to continue to go back, even though we do sometimes, some some more than others. But we can't allow... Uh, the wrong desires to settle in our hearts that leads to sin because we are free from it. In James chapter 1, verse 14 to 15, it says, Each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. Then desire, when it is when it's conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. So when we look into our hearts and we see sin there and we start to dwell on things that are unholy, dwell on the things that th- that God doesn't like, those thoughts and those intents in our hearts turn into actions. We start to go after those things that we desire. We always go after the things we desire. If I desire a piece of pizza, which I do every single day, and I desire it hard enough, I'm going to make a way so I can have that piece of pizza. It doesn't matter if, if it makes my body feel bad. It doesn't matter if I don't have the, the funds for it. It doesn't matter um, if I had pizza two times in the same day. I'm going to go after what I want and get how, get it however I need to get it because that's the strong desire within me. And that desire can be for anything. If your desire is strong enough, you're going to go after that thing. You're going, to, you're going to go after that thing. But because we are free in Christ, we don't have to have those desires that causes us to sin. We can cast them out because we have the power of the Holy Spirit to do so. So Paul was saying, you have freedom from all these things. Don't get tangled up into this whole slavery of sin. Next verse is, look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will know, Christ will be of no advantage to you. When he says, look... He's saying, allow me to put things into perspective. Let me, let me make this a con- as concrete as possible. He wants you to look at exactly and listen to exactly what he's saying in the next, step, in the next statement that's going to come. He's saying, if you think circumcision is the way to salvation, then Christ is totally unnecessary. He said, you have to really understand what I'm saying here. That if you want to do all these works, if you want to do circumcision, if you want to le- you look at this or listen to this judicizer or this religious leader and telling you that you need works unto salvation, there, there is no reason for Christ to have done what he has done. The belief in him might as well just be dismissed. You might as well just not care about what the Lord has done or believe in it at all. Because the whole point of it is for you to not make those kind of sacrifices. For you not have to cut your body, harm your body for the purpose of salvation. You don't have to take a snip for you to be holy. Because if that was the case, what about the woman? If that is a very important thing for someone to do in order for them to be saved, that kind of mentality or, or idea doesn't work for women because women don't have the same parts as men. So there, there's, a, there's an issue with, with that line of thinking if you think circumcision is necessary for salvation. Because uh, the, the reason we, Paul is trying to get these people to understand it is it, it's, you have 
uh, a, let's say you have a destination that you have to get to. Your destination is New York City. And the GPS is telling you to go left, but you keep going right. And the GPS keeps saying recalculating, but you're going the opposite direction. If you keep going the opposite direction of where you're supposed to go, you will never get to the destination that you, that you, that you desire. You desire to be safe. You desire to not have these kind of behaviors. You want to be close to God. You want to go to go to heaven. You want all these things. But there is one way to him, and it's belief in him through faith. We can't do any kind of works for us to gain his likeness. We don't gain, we don't have Jesus like us anymore because we do a thing. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. You can't keep going left and right at the same time because you'll never get to your destination. So the Judaizer or the false teachers, are, they're, they're pressuring the non-Jewish Christians to get the circumcision in order for uh, them to be welcomed into God's family. But to choose circumcision for the purpose of making sure that you are saved is just rejecting Christ's work. It makes his work on the cross irrelevant. Next one is, I testify against, uh, I've testified again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. He repeated the whole statement about circumcision. He repeated it because he wants to emphasize a point. He wants to stress the topic that doing works for salvation does not, does not save you. Circumcision does not save you. There's no power in circumcision. When God created uh, the law of Moses, it was not meant uh, for, 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 for people to separate certain laws into chunks. Because what they're doing here is there are, six, there are 613 laws for, for the Jews to obey. What these believers are doing is they're taking certain ones of the law that they deem as the most holy. And they're attaching it and adding it to what to the finished work of Christ. So we, so we need to do this thing and we need to do this thing and and Pentecostal people were doing that now. Um Baptist people I I I shouldn't say necessarily denominations but there are certain denominations who who put in certain behavioral laws to make themselves seem holy. Like the women have to wear a certain length of skirts or men have to wear certain shirts or have certain haircuts or they're, they're ha or you can't wear too much jewelry. You can't have earrings. You can't have anything uh, that kind of beautifies your body or brings or draw attention to yourself. And by having those kinds of things, it makes you look holy or give off appearance of, of holiness. But that's not so. What makes you holy is what... It's what you do on the inside. It's not what you adorn yourself with. It's not what you wear, or but it's, but it's a spiritual clothing that you put on. This is a spiritual robe that you put on that shows your holiness. So we can't go around and cherry pick certain kinds of behaviors because it makes you have an appearance of holy or because it makes you feel comfortable. That's not what that is. And that's what these people are doing. They're taking circumcision as one way of somebody being holy. But if you 
if you're trying to keep the law, you have to keep the entire law. You can't take certain points of it. You got to have the whole entire thing. In James 2 and 10, it says, For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of it all. So you can have 613 laws and you only obey 612 laws and you mess up on the very last one. You are guilty of all 613 laws. All of them. Because that's what God says. Because of who you're because sin is sin because of who you're sinning against we in no possible way with our own strength can keep all of those laws that's why jesus came so we don't have to he has fulfilled those laws for us so all we have to do is believe what he did and we are justified by his works but for some people that is too easy that's too simple no, God doesn't want it to be complicated because he wants, he made it so simple because he, it's, he, he wants everybody to be a part of him. That's why it's so simple. Yet it can be difficult because it is a narrow way because it's only one way. Everyone wants all these different ways of, of getting to Christ. There's only one way and it's belief in him. The next one says, you are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. Have fallen away from grace. So the line that you have with Christ has been cut off because of the choices you made to be justified by the law instead of being saved by faith through God's grace. You're cutting yourself off from Christ because of the choice that you made. You decided to be justified by the law. You don't think it's enough for God, for Jesus to die on the cross and be resurrected for your sin sick soul. So by adding works, you're just showing distrust in, in Christ's ability to save. If you're adding something, that means that you don't believe that Christ had the power or enough power to be able to save your sin sick soul. So that's what it means when you are falling from grace. And I have a I have a great quote when it talks about falling from grace. And here it says, quote, falling from grace does not mean this person has lost their salvation. Rather, Paul's suggestion is that such a person has not been trusted in Christ at all. Grace comes through faith in Christ and by no other means. To seek salvation apart from Christ is to fall away from the opportunity from grace. I love that. When I read the first sentence, I thought they were going to say, well, the person is still saved, but they're just kind of messing up. But what this person says, falling from grace means that the person was never saved. Because if you are trying to believe in Jesus and believe in the works of your flesh or the works of your hands at the same time, you really are not truly believing wholeheartedly in all of what Christ has done. Then you're, you're thinking that he has not done enough for you. He really is hammering this point over and over again. The next one is says, for through the, through the spirit by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. So how many people you know have tried to accept Christ in addition to the use of works? How many times have you 
heard of somebody or you have to get baptized or you have to show this or you have to do this or you have to say Hail Marys or or whatever. There's all these different things or you have to feed the sick, you have to do the poor, you have to be kind. No, you you can you do all those things. You are kind, you are loving, you are the all the fruit of the spirit because you have accepted Christ. You don't know what those things truly are until after you have accepted Christ. Do you think somebody who's apart from Christ know what true love is? No. They don't. They know what their own human love is. And God has given them the ability, uh, the innate ability to be able to show love because we still have his attributes. But have they really, really experienced God's love and understand what it is? No. Because people who are living for God are still trying to discover the magnitude and the massiveness of God's love. It's different. It's difficult to really pin down because you can't. We're not trying to pin it down. We just have to accept the love that he gives us. So according to Paul, he believes that anyone who approaches um, for salvation um, this way rejects faith in Christ. If, if you try to add something to it. If you try to add something to it. So it says, by faith, we are waiting for righteousness to be declared to us where we are um, further on. OK, so I see what I because I wrote something down here that that, you know, when you type, you you, you, you kind of confuse yourself because you don't proofread. You got to proofread. Sometimes I just don't proofread. I just write stuff and it sounds good in my head. But when I when it goes to my fingers, not so much, not so much. But going back up to the verse, it says, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. When it talks about the hope of righteousness, it means that we are waiting for Christ to rapture us or to call us home so we could be made perfect in his image. Never have to compromise again. Never have to worry about sin. Never have to worry about temptation or falling or making mistakes or backsliding or doing anything like that. We can't wait for the opportunity to be able to experience that for all of eternity. Not because we chose him, but he chose us first. We just said yes. He presented this thing to us, and we said yes to it. Here's another great quote. Those who follow the law of Moses are waiting too. Paul has shown that they are waiting in vain, though, since no one can be justified or made righteous without Christ. We can't follow the law perfectly. And so God will declare those who are not in Christ to be unrighteous, including those who are trusting in their attempt to follow the law to save them. So when you are using works and when you are a part of the law or when you have not completely trusted in Christ, you are waiting for heaven in vain. Because that because you're not going there. If you not have accepted Christ through faith, according to his grace that he's given you, his mercy he's given you. You're not going to see him. The whole thing Christ is trying to do is have us totally surrender, totally relax in him, totally not rely on who we are in our own tenacity, in our own abilities. He does not want any part of us to interfere. (laughs) He wants the total control. He wants us to get all of our ideas from him. He wants us to get all of our compassion and our love from him, our example from him, everything to live this life, we he, he wants us to get it from him. 
Next one, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor non-uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. So this last verse here says, it doesn't matter if you're circumcised. It doesn't matter if you're uncircumcised. It doesn't matter. It doesn't count. Only by faith. Working through love. Working through love because love it means that it's if you if you if you're walking through love that means you're understanding how to love like Christ. You're not loving yourself or looking at yourself to be able to earn your way or earn earn the salvation that God has already that God might have already or wants to give to you. That if you have salvation, God wanted you to have salvation. If you don't have salvation, if you're not saved, he wants to give it to you. It's a free gift that no man will boast. He, no one can boast that I got the Holy Spirit first, uh, uh, better than you. I have more of God than you because I can do this and I can do this. God has no respect of person. He loves all of us just the same because he created all of us just, just the same for him. So we can't say that we are more important than someone else. We are not more important. Because someone says that we are a couple of bad decisions away from the, the worst possible sin and the, and the worst possible condition you can create for yourself. Make those couple of mistakes and you can be just as backslidden as anybody else in the world. So we can't hold ourselves to that high level. We have to be able to humble ourselves. And to accept this wonderful thing that Christ has given us called salvation. Just accept it. And then after you accept salvation, then you read his word, then you study, then you understand what you have to do to be better in your brain, to be better in your decision making, to be better in your thought, your thought processes. Is living a holy life easy? No. No. Living a holy life is not easy. It's not easy. We don't come to Christ because it's easy. We come to Christ because it's right. We come to Christ because it's the truth. We don't base this decision off of, oh, I because it feels good. No. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. We still live in a fallen world. We still have things to learn. We still have things that we have to let go. And letting go is painful. We have some things that need to be healed. Healing is painful. There's things that we have to go through. Our rest is right. It's not right now. We have the if if the worst part of all of my existence is on Earth, I I am so grateful. Because it is, the worst part of my existence is right here. These eighty, ninety, hundred years on the Earth. After that comes eternity, then eternity of bliss where I will never have to experience those things ever again. But right now, we must endure. We must endure the evil of this world. We must endure the evil in that, that people allow to, to dwell in them. We have to endure. We have to endure. So the, so my closing verse always is, is, is chapter 1. Five, verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, 
and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. We got to stand firm in our freedom and we have to exercise our freedom by being obedient to Christ. So we won't have to be conformed to, to whatever the world has out there for us because it's always contrary to what Christ wants us to do.